is row after row of hens shoved in cages expressing no natural behaviours whatsoever and it was absolutely silent and you were thinking well, what the hell is going on in here and, and you go to a free range facility where you know noisy as anything lots of movement in and out of the barns very very different hello and welcome to rspca australia's humane food podcast series my name is brian daly and today i'm talking with matt howe founder and director of three beans cafes a rapidly expanding franchise that is renowned for offering ethically sourced and humanely farmed food. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thanks, Brian. Nice to be here. Uh, before we get into the Three Bean story, uh, your experience in the food industry is quite impressive. 17 years with McDonald's in the UK, rising to senior vice president. You implemented changes that, given McDonald's size, significantly improved the quality of sourcing from an ethical and animal welfare point of view on a large scale. Can you tell us a bit about that and how it has informed your attitudes towards food production? Yeah, sure. I mean, McDonald's was a, an amazing company to work for. I Mine qualified as an accountant and I managed to, you know, work my throat way through the business to end up having some responsibility for food and supply chain. And in the UK in particular, there was always a very strong um, customer focus on food, where it was from, what companies did with it, um, et cetera, probably because in the UK, people are closer to the land. You know, there's farming outside London. You don't travel great distances to see where food's produced there. So there was always a strong um, interest in food. And McDonald's had some pretty... Um, amazing agricultural programs. So they had their own McDonald's-approved agricultural programs that had um, strong controls around the movement of cattle between farm and slaughterhouse. They worked with Temple Grandin, who developed um, really intricate systems within slaughterhouses to remove the stress from the animals as they moved through them. So they, they already had some really strong practices, but we found... In the late 90s, early 2000s, um, there was a lot more focus on food. So McDonald's went early to sourcing of free-range eggs, really hated that intensive facilities. I mean, it's amazing. You'd go into a hen facility and it was absolutely silent. And you were thinking, well, what the hell is going on in here? And there is row after row of hens shoved in cages expressing no natural behaviours whatsoever. And you go to a free-range facility where, you know, noisy as anything, lots of movement in and out of the barns, very, very different. And I think that opened the eyes to a lot of the um, execs in the UK company to welfare issues. Yes. So then we linked in with the, the FAI, the Farm Animal Initiative um, near Oxford, and that was a, a group of um, researchers who were looking at of creating sustainable, ethical and humane farming systems um, that could actually function profitably. Um, so they worked on um, barn systems um, for rearing of pigs in family groups. And, you know, the outcomes for that were making sure there was no um, tail biting. So a big thing within um, intensive pig rearing is they tail dock and they teeth clip yes. because the pigs are so board they'll attack each other yes but if you develop enriched environments um they don't so you could have them in big barn systems with enriched environments play and toys and things like that express normal behaviors and you wouldn't have to tail dock them or, 
or, or teeth clip them. Yes. Um, you know, so we did that. We moved to organic milk in coffees, um, you know, then moved into recycling all the used cooking oil into biodiesel for the fleets. There are a number of really, really interesting projects. I left in 2007, just before they moved towards implementing the enriched um, family farm pig system. But I went through everything within the, the you know, the intensive, um, which is pretty confronting when you see the intensive um, system for raising poultry hens. Yes where they're grown super quickly indoors, you know, in these, you know, you're almost dressed like you're walking into a, a disease area where, you know, you can't bring any germs in, you know, they're highly clean systems to ensure no spread of diseases. And that's a pretty confronting and eye-opening intensive agricultural system. So that, that informed a lot of what we do, uh, my brother and I do at Three Beans. Yes. And, and so... You said you were from a accounting or commerce background. Your brother had run a number of cafes and restaurants. Had you always been interested in food as well? No, I, not not really. I worked for Pioneer Concrete in Sydney while I was at uni, and yep. I went um, backpacking. So I left Australia backpacking, ended up in London after three months around Europe, worked for Pioneer then, went backpacking around South America, fell in love with someone in London, went back to London and um, sort of fell through the doors of McDonald's when I was there. So, you know, so no, I had no no kind of connection or anything else apart from the fact I love food and ended up there. So, yeah, and stayed there for 17 years, had kids in London, and we moved back to Sydney in January 2008 as our kids went to secondary school. So... You know, and obviously very close to my brother, and we talked a lot about food and directions in food and people becoming far more educated about where their food comes from. And he and I just decided to, to do three beans together. So it's like a, a happy accident of, of your careers that just, just uh, brought you back together, I guess, in, in a way. And, and obviously caring about where food comes from was a major connection you guys had and, a, and formed a major part of your philosophy. Oh, absolutely. Like James, James and his wife, Peter, they're chefs and they're, I always used to come back to Sydney and come back and see them near Manly and they would cook the most amazing food. So they've always had this, you know, incredible relationship with food and they were always, they personally, without talking to me, were always concerned about the origins of their, their foods and, you know, they were always freaked out about the kind of bizarre huge chickens that you could get in supermarkets yes. and things like that. Yes. So, you know, they they obviously became more educated. I talked a lot to them about it, shared a lot of experience about where things were going in the UK with it. Mm. And they felt they were kind of hearing about it here, although not as loudly as it was happening over there. And as you said, we have a, a different relationship with farming here where it's it's away from the cities it's it's something we don't see and as consumers we we tend not to be confronted with the realities of farming as you as you said as you would have in the UK yeah and you, you know it's um it's fascinating isn't it because people here do travel they travel up the coast but you know what is it 80 percent of the population live in the cities mm. and on the on the eastern seaboard mm. you don't really see where production is in the uk you can drive out of london and you can see free range pork farming by the side of a motorway yes 
here you just don't you just don't see it um and you've got to tend to go a long way like even the market gardens in sydney have disappeared as urban sprawl yes kind of heads out so you, you probably see cattle in fields and sheep but not much more than that they'd never see intensive you know agricultural feedlots mm. you definitely not see chicken production um free-range production you just wouldn't see it so you wouldn't know and i think a lot of the things we do get to see are always the bad things about farming or the shocking incidents of sheep deaths in live export or cattle you know strain cattle being slaughtered overseas in what people would describe as barbaric slaughterhouses and things like that they don't see the good parts of agriculture yes you know, lately they've seen the vegan activists and, you know, and I, fair enough, whatever, vegans, all great, but they're really vilifying people who do the right thing, animals that have a great life. You know, there's there's a middle ground. And I think the RSPCA is a big part of that middle ground. So it's important it doesn't get lost in the noise of those guys. You know, my experience with farmers is they care deeply about the welfare of their animals. Yes. You know, I've never met a farmer who wants to do the wrong things. And they've, they're caught in the system of producing food at a price because the supermarkets demand a price and consumers demand a price for product. And so there's no doubt that higher welfare product is more expensive to produce. It just is. Yes. And, but, you know... But- but you've committed to that. And, I, you know, you serve, say, RSPCA-approved eggs from roadies in South Australia. Um, and there are obviously suppliers closer to Sydney where you're, the majority of right. cafes are. But what did you see in roadies that made you quite literally go the extra mile to source your eggs? Oh, well, look, it, it probably went back to the UK where we... It, at McDonald's, it was 100% free-range eggs. And there was a probably in the early 2000s, there was an interesting thing that came out that suggested the number of UK free-range eggs being sold exceeded the actual production of free-range eggs in the UK. Right. And so there was some fraud happening within the system. Okay. And we, we had some amazing free-range farmers. This guy from the north of England who had smaller sheds, had lots and lots of um, ground cover because the reality is if there's no ground cover, birds won't roam because they're they're scared of predation, scared of predators. So it's all very well sticking a barn in the middle of a field um, and opening the doors. But if it's just open grass, the birds won't roam because they're very scared about predation. So... I had a really interesting conversation with this farmer who was telling me about some new free-range production coming online in Scotland where they were building multi-storey barns where the birds just wouldn't roam. Even though they'd opened the sides of the barns, the birds wouldn't roam. So there was all this crap around free-range production where a lot of the bigger producers were trying to come up with ways of doing a barn system rather than a free-range system. So when... I got back here, we, we spoke to the RSPCA because there was so much crap out there with the big egg industry players wanting to set the standards for free range. You know, the poacher gamekeeper doing everything themselves and they wanted to do 20,000 or 10,000 birds an acre, Yes, which is not free range, that's intensive. And they yeah. know as well as I know, well, they didn't. No, I knew that that was not free range. And I even had an egg producer, a big one, come 
and doorstep us in our old kitchen, mm. asking why we why we no longer purchase from them as a supplier, no longer purchase their free range eggs. And and I was brutally honest with him. I said, mate, you're not free range. You may like to label your eggs as free range, but I know your birds aren't ranging. I know that this is purely a you know a profit based formula for you and then he said well you could have my organic eggs which obviously have high different standards you know are checked and so that's what he was saying that his organic was actually free range but his free range wasn't so (laughs) i spoke to um hope bertram at the rspca and i think at the time it might even be true today there were only two rspca certified free range egg farms yes in australia Mm. and um we spoke to roadies yes. and really liked them. We saw what they did. Um, and so we get a pallet a week yeah, of great. the free-range eggs. So, you know, we can't use them 100% in our own internal baking. We've got to use some pasteurised liquid free-range eggs that we get from another supplier. Mm-hmm. But all of our fresh eggs and a lot of the eggs in our baking are directly from them. And all the stores get them. And they're a great product. But they're, they're people who care. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. So the RSPCA approval it was really important then for you? Absolutely, because well, I know they ordered it. My, I haven't got the manpower with five people in our office yeah. to go and audit um, the farming practices. And I know from my time in the UK dealing with the RSPCA and here that that's what they do, you mm. know? Yes. So I, I'm in it. I'm far more confident. Them doing it than an industry doing their own. <laughs> yes, doing their own checking of their own people. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, and uh, and you know and and I know I, I have um, been down on the roadies farm and it is a, a great operation and and they do go through those processes and and as you were saying like free range doesn't necessarily mean free range anymore because of the ten thousand birds per hectare is ridiculous. Whereas the RSPCA yeah. standards are fifteen hundred birds or less, so you know you're getting. A genuine product, I guess. So that's that. That's what it comes down to for you. Well, you know, you know, the birds are living a good life and they're they're expressing natural behaviour. Yes. You know, with, and that's the most important thing. And that, you know what? There are higher welfare standards for barn production with the RS, which the RSPCA, you know, ordered as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for us, it was more about the the natural behaviours. Yes. Any any animal should be able to express those. Absolutely. And do you find your customers recognise that RSPCA approved? Oh, some. Um, like there, there are definitely some that do and they'll tell our franchisees and they'll talk to us. For some people, it's meaningless, you know. I mean, I hope the message gets through. and But, you know, that's not that important for us. Mm. The important thing for us is we're doing the right thing and it certainly means something for some people. I, I But... My honest belief is it's going to mean more because the more news that's out there around um, farming techniques and intensive versus extensive agriculture and the more people become educated by it, then I think the more people will um, will appreciate it. Yes, yes. And, you know, it is more expensive. There's no doubt. It is a lot more expensive. Mm. And how, do you, how did you manage that, the commercial side of running... Uh, an enterprise like Three Bean, which is you know growing really well, but to to add in that extra cost to production and also the sourcing eggs from far away, for instance, like from <laughs> from Adelaide, from Adelaide, yeah. Um, 
what we did was we, I, I guess when the business first started, before I got back to Sydney, we didn't have our own commercial kitchen. So my brother James was sourcing products from um, different suppliers. And so we were sourcing all the baked goods from, you know, other companies that make cookies and muffins and you know, banana breads, etc. cetera. Um, and one of the things as we grew was we, we had our own kitchen. So we've got our own kitchen, our own baking chefs, and we bake ourselves. Yes. And what we found was that we could bake using free-range eggs, some organic products as well, and produce that product, sell it to the stores at a better price than they were paying previously from a third party. Yes. So from our perspective, we, we felt that we could make money running our own kitchen and supplying the stores. And from the store's perspective, they got an immediate benefit because the cost that they were paying, I think we undercut initially by about 30 or 40%. Right. So there was a there was a win-win in it. Where it's difficult and it's difficult for the stores and we have to keep reinforcing it is around pork. So we get pork through Zamet, who gets it from Borrowdale, who gets it from Gurley Free Range Farm. And there's no doubt that the cost of bacon is double what you'd pay for an intensively reared system. Yes. And my God, if anyone, and I think this is probably and it shouldn't, it shouldn't be more shocking than chicken rearing, but it is. If you go and see intensively farmed pork or pigs compared to free range, it's it's abhorrent. Yes. yes. Like, you know, birthing stalls, concrete sheds, mm. you know, it is abhorrent. Mm. And there is no justification for it. You know, there'll they'll be people who argue that they've bred maternal instincts out of the, the, the stock of pigs. I mean, there'll be all sorts of crap that you hear from it and it doesn't have to be that way it can definitely be changed yes yes obviously because there are different systems that are running already correct yeah 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 and you know what there's sometimes that people need to pay more because the the cost of production for those systems is appalling and you know it really shouldn't be allowed yes and and we're seeing that that people will pay more we're we're buying more Free range eggs in and cage free eggs in the supermarket. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But still, I think there's that lack of awareness. I guess that there's still 11 million hens in battery cages, for instance, in Australia, and yeah. and the majority of those go into food service. Um, so, like yes. restaurants and cafes like yours. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. so you making this ethical choice and and others like you is is really important in reducing demand for that that caged egg system and, and intensively farmed bacon, as you say. Do you see that there is a there is a growing understanding or that by choosing free range and by choosing cage free when you go to a, a restaurant now is also something that can help end the battery cage? Oh look, absolutely. I mean I think I think interestingly in Europe, the European Union legislated against battery, which drove industry as well, which was a good thing. So there is a role for the government, I think. Yes. I think you know, <laughs> there are times when government needs to govern and not listen to the lobby groups around yes. some of this, which is what we saw the first time out with the free range and the industry winning a preposterous argument. Yes. But I think the supermarkets definitely, you see Coles and Woolies promoting a lot more around free range or RSPCA certified systems. And, you know, they've got big advertising budgets, it's front and centre, and it definitely will change consumer perception. 
I think, you know, I think those those are the two areas. But then consumers have got to choose. But it's difficult, isn't it? If you go into your local cafe or restaurant, you're probably not thinking about the ethics of the food that they're serving. Um, right. And, you know, they're small businesses and they, they want to give you great tasting food, but they've got to make a profit too. Mm. So... You know, sometimes there's got to be, I don't know, personal view, there's got to be some form of intervention or leadership from government to, to start steering the industries in the right direction. That's right. And the, uh, the poultry standards are under review at the moment and it would be good to see, as you say, some leadership to say it's time that we started phasing out this intensive system of production for these animals. Yeah. And it's also, when you get down to the cost per egg... You may be talking about twenty cents difference per egg. I mean, it's it's not going to break the bank no matter what. And I don't want to sound like some elitist right winger, but you know, it's not a significant increase in cost to do the right thing. And I guess this is part of your wider ethical approach at Three uh, Bean, isn't it? To, not just with food, but also in the way you structure the franchise, the way you. Uh, use recycled fit-outs, biodegradable takeaway containers. You obviously see all these things being linked to better outcomes for animals, consumers, customers and the planet. Yeah, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I, would, I wouldn't ever want to say that we are. You know, yeah. we're always looking to see what we can do, um, what the next step to take is. Is it affordable? I mean, it, it's very easy for James and I to make a decision that affects the welfare of our franchisees. So, you know, we've got to think about them as our business partners um, with every decision we make. But, yeah, we're always looking to do better hmm. and always talking to suppliers about what we can do um, better. But there, there are challenges, you know. There are challenges around recycling in this country. So just because something's biodegradable or compostable or recyclable doesn't mean that happens yes you know that's yes. that's another big issue in the country we the infrastructure to do the recycling isn't even there you yes. know everything was being shipped overseas sold to china you know there was money in selling the waste streams to china and they've blocked that off so you know again we need some leadership from government to create you know the economic model around all of these things but yeah you know we want to do better and for our franchisees we don't take big fees we don't do any of that we we make money by selling products to them from our kitchen so mm. our whole model is trying to be equitable in the model between the customer the franchisees our suppliers and and james's and my future yes <laughs> or our ability to go for a surf a few days a week <laughs> that sounds like a good business objective. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> now, and your your old mates at McDonald's uh, and other large food chains, you know, getting back to the cage-free eggs, they've also switched. We've got commitment from the large retailers, the Coles and Woolies, to to phase them out. Do you sense that there is an end in sight? There is there is a time when no hen will have to suffer like like they do in these barren battery cages in Australia. Oh, Jesus, there's got to be dozen there. I mean, I think if, if those big corporates actually took their people through the the production cycle or from farm to plate, yeah. they'd have a real sort of crisis of confidence around the whole industry and make the change quicker. I mean, obviously, the infrastructure needs to be built up hmm. to enable the change. It's yes. not something you can turn on overnight. It's no. just unrealistic. But I tell you what, one thing I did, I took all the executives through the supply chain and took them from farms all the way through abattoirs and out the other end to make them see 
you know, they, they should know where the food comes from. Yes. They, they absolutely, every single one of them should see it and know it intimately because it's what they sell. Mm. Yes. You know, and if you do that, I don't think in all good conscience you could condone those practices. No. No, it's... Uh, I, don't, I don't get it. It's, it's something that, as, as you said, you know, in the UK, they're, they're a little more close to the farm land in the cities. But, but here we, we tend to say, well, that's happening over there and I don't really need to know about it. Correct. But I think, I think um, you know, there are a lot of accountants running these big companies. Maybe get out of in front of a computer and through there and that would give them a shock. Well, you've been trailblazing in that area there, Matt, to, uh, <laughs> to do that. So it, it's great to it's great to hear um, what you're doing there. It sounds like you know you and James have created a great example of how to run a food service business that that is ethical and, as you say, is always trying to improve and make sure the food you're serving is humanely farmed. It's inspiring stuff. I, I, I wish you every success with uh, Three Beans. Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Matt Howe from Three Bean Cafes. And thank you all for listening. If you would like any more information about RSPCA's commitment to helping in the battery cage, visit RSPCA Australia's website at rspca.org.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast series at the website or all the usual podcast suspects. I'm Brian Daly and I look forward to your company next time on the RSPCA Australia Humane Food Podcast.